Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey everyone, so good to be with you. My name is Ryan and I'm really excited about this episode ahead as we have singer-songwriter and worship leader Jordan St. Cyr with us. I got to chat with him about how he got to where he is now and how in the midst of what he's doing to achieve balance and to maintain balance with family and work and as he tours and records across North America. And Jordan was one of our performing artists at our recent event in Winkler, Manitoba called In Doubt Live and in Concert. And it was, it was great to have Jordan be part of our team. And even today, off air, Jordan said that one of his favorite songs is Lay It Down. So I have a clip for you. And then once you give it a listen, we'll head into the conversation that we had. Nobody ever thinks they'll be the one who sings. Instead of walking when they step out of the boat, it's a leap of faith. Not everybody makes it on their best tries. But here I am again in over my head Drowning underneath the weight of my pride Finally realized I'm not gonna make it on my own So today with me on this episode of In Doubt, we have a special guest from Canada who's a musician and worship leader. His name is Jordan St. Cyr. Jordan, great to have you with us. Dude, thanks so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, looking forward to this. And I want to ask you, uh, I want to start by asking a little bit about who you are. For those of us listening or, or tuning in, like, what are you about? How did you get to where you are? Kind of what's your story? Yeah. In like a couple minutes or less, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, a couple <laughs> yeah, minutes. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know what? I grew up in a small town, uh, Niverville, Manitoba. When I grew up, it was about 1,200 people. We've grown to about 5,000 people now. So it's, it's small town prairie living. Uh, a lot of trades, a lot of farmers, and, and we love it. Uh, it's a great place to raise our kids. I've got four kids now, an amazing wife, Heather, and uh, we love where we live. As far as music goes, music was always in our, in our house. My dad was a songwriter and performer. Uh, both my brothers, performers and songwriters. I grew up playing songs in church and uh, did that in youth group. Eventually kind of just kept going with it, led worship on Sunday mornings. And uh, the fire just didn't really die. It just kept with me. I uh, did a short stint in YWAM where God just continued to reveal his desire and my desire, how are we going to connect? How are we going to keep growing together? And it was through, obviously, quiet times of just, you know, really just pouring out my heart to him and, and, uh, and hearing his voice through, through music. That's always resonated with me since I was really young up until this point. And music has is, is definitely not been an easy road, but it's been the road for me. It's just God has put this desire in my heart to 
connect with him through music, but then also inspire people through music to live their best life and to hope for, for more. So, yeah that's, yeah, that's cool. So you grew up in the church. Yeah, absolutely. Family was growing up, going to church and, and stuff like yeah. that in a small town. Now, here's one thing that I find really intriguing, okay? Because you use you used the language, you know, the fire stayed alive, right? You, you maintained that even as a, as a young worship leader, maybe in youth group or whatever, that you kind of like kept the course and you, you kept close with Jesus. And I, as, as you were saying that, I was thinking about Katy Perry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know Katy Perry, she actually grew up in the church herself. And she grew up in youth group and she actually was involved in like music and worship music. And then she decided to walk away from her faith and start her own thing with music. And I, I find it very interesting that oftentimes that story gets a lot of popularity, a lot of publicity of, oh, here's the reason why people leave. Right. But I'm intrigued because, you know, you've said how music has, has been a tool that has connected you to God. And so I'm curious, like for your experience, um, you said it hasn't always been easy. What have some of those challenges been? Because, you know, obviously I would assume that there'd be a temptation to try and do your own thing uh, apart from God and say, oh, you know, could I try and make it this way or have this type of success outside of the church? Um, But clearly hearing from your story, like there's a connection to, hey, no, I want to bless the church. I want to be part of what God's doing here. I want to use this. And so... Yeah, curious if you could speak to some of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never had this amazing conversion experience. You know, I don't I wasn't four years old and I accepted Christ. Like it was always it was always a thing. You know, we grew up in a household that always believed in God. We always believed that that we weren't the center of our own story. You know what I mean? Like like in our, our family growing up, God was always central. So therefore there was nothing to leave. There was nothing to grow out of because this is the way it was. You know, God was was central. So for me with music, it, this is just music to me. Music is a gift from heaven. It's, it's not, again, when you talk about like music in terms of marketing or demographics, I get that. You know, you, you want to write music for people outside of the church or whatever. But I think for me, what it came down to is like, this is the gift God has given me to connect to people, you know, whether it's people in the church or whether it's not, the message of hope is music to me. So that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, even hearing you say that, you're saying uh, along the lines of, well, you know, my faith, my walk with God, knowing Jesus was central. So there is no room for you to do something apart from him. Pretty much. Right? That's exactly it. Like this is just, it's, it's infused. It's in the fabric. Totally. Uh, it's just, it's the way it is. Totally. You know? So, yeah. I would venture to think that not a ton of culture in Canada right now, right? Especially uh, non-Christians, but there would be people who are maybe even in the church who would say, yeah, you know, I go to church and I'm, I'm a Christian, but Jesus is an addition to my life. Mm, right. Right. He, he's on the side. Right. And and what I'm hearing you say is that, no, 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 he infuses everything. He's in everything. That's right. He's part of my life. He's part of my music. And so what has that process been like for you, like writing music with that perspective that, you know, and I would say, you know, as a follower of Jesus myself, as a pastor, I'm like, that is an amazing perspective that, you know, hey, God is central and he should be. That's the invitation actually of following Jesus. 
What's that been like for you with writing music? How has that perspective influenced how you've written your music, how you've led worship and performed? What's that like for you? That's a big question. Um, again, it's just, I think a lot of it is just knowing who you are, you know, and taking on the identity that God has given you. When we stop looking at God as a two-dimensional thing, like I believe in saying, God, you're first, but it doesn't quite do it for me anymore. It's like, you know, if you look at a dartboard and you're like, we're always trying to hit the bullseye and get that perfect score. And then we realize, well, God isn't the bullseye. God's the entire dartboard. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's everything. So when I write, uh, when we start, you know, it's like, there's this understanding that he's already everything. So everything we do is going to fit within these parameters, you know, and it's all going to point to him because, and I know I, I don't want that to sound new agey or whatever, but like when he's Lord of your life, he's Lord of everything. And uh, yeah, so when we write, the perspective is like, what else is there to talk about if it doesn't point to him? Because there's so much more out there that we can say because he's infinite. So so what would, uh, what would somebody be able to find in, in terms of your message and your themes in some of the, the music that you've already written? And what are, yeah. Yeah, what are some of those tones that would, that would be there? I mean, in the music I have out, out right now, we were very intentional to, to bring forth just this feeling of joy, really just joy. I am a singer-songwriter kind of by trade, and it's very easy for me to write the dark, you know, somber melody and my wife would often look at me and say, you know what, you're singing these songs that are amazing about this hope and this joy, but you're not smiling. You know, are you, do you believe this? And it was like, she said enough times, it finally clicked. And so with the songs that I have out right now, it was all about, I want to sing my future joy. So if I'm going to be singing the song a lot, I want it to put a smile on my face and a smile in my heart. And I think, you know, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, when we go into these communities where the churches are running on fumes and they just need that extra little boost, I want these songs to help them. I don't want them to kind of put all the attention on me and soak it up for myself. But when we go in, maybe we'd be an inspiration and a light to them that they're doing good work and to keep going. So, so would you yeah. say that's the goal of your, your writing and your music? Absolutely. I think it's, it's definitely a, a facet of it. A lot of what I'm writing now is, uh, I think points to unity, um, and bringing us together. And a lot of like Ephesians four kind of stuff has been in my heart to say, I think because personally I've just had to lay down so much stuff. Like if we're going to get along and if we're going to do something greater, if we're going to start some sort of revolution and do something big, we can't be the center of this story. Christ is to be the center. So what does that look like? And in Ephesians, it just kind of lists a lot of things of like what we can do to, to do life better and to live more like Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So you've, you've performed at a number of places. And um, what would be something that as you, uh, you think about music and as you think about people who engage with your music, what is, you know, even as you're praying, as you're writing your music and as you're uh, looking forward to performing at different venues all over the place, what would be something that, you know, as you've written and as you've performed, you really hope that people would connect with? And I ask this question from the perspective of, you know, what is it to you 
that people that you know and people that you're writing to are really longing for? Is it this joy you're talking about? What's your sense on what people are needing in in worship and in music? Well, I think ultimately we're all trying to be the best versions of ourselves. Whether we know that, you know, consciously or subconsciously, we're all on a path to, you know, the human experience seems like we're trying to get to this perfect thing. And ultimately, I feel what God wants of us is to be real and authentic in who we are right now. For me, when I write, my greatest desire and greatest joy would be if people are walking out better husbands, better wives, you know, better brothers, better sisters, because to me, that's foundational for everything and how we live. And if we can be better at that, we're going to do amazing things. For me as a father, like if I succeed as a father and not as a musician, I've won the day because I know that's the most important thing because my kids are the next generation of what's to come. And if I raise you know, great kids who make wise decisions, uh, I, think, I think we're all going to be better off. And so if, if people can leave with this mindset that we're all in this together and that we're all here to support each other, that would be my hope for them. So curious for you, like what, what would be the places that you draw on for inspiration? Yeah. Well, what I always tell people who are like, you know, up and comers or, or looking at, you know, writing better songs, it's like your greatest, you know, assets are your eyes and your ears, you know, just, just remain open to what God is showing you through the world around you because real life is happening right before your eyes and real life are the best songs. You know, the best worship songs have stories of real life. You know, when you look at, you know, Miracles by Chris Koalala, you know, and the story behind that, or, you know, Blessed Be Your Name by Matt Redman, you know, like, you know, look up those stories behind those songs. Those aren't just generic, cliche Christian sayings. They became that, but they came from a deeper story, something real. So for, for me as a songwriter, as an artist, I listen to I listen to everything, but I try and dig a little deeper as to why, why did they say that? There must have been a reason, you know. Yeah, some songs are just kind of written off the cuff and like, oh, that's cool. But I think the songs that stand the test of time, there's a, a deeper underlying meaning that, uh, that supports it. Yeah, so as a songwriter, maybe there's, there's individuals who are, are songwriters or aspiring songwriters, uh, even listening to this conversation, what role for you as a songwriter does scripture play in forming your perspective and even the lyrics that you have? It's, it's a lot. Like it's, I mean, if that's where the truth is, we need to be, we need to be spitting out that truth. Um, a lot of the songs I have out right now are, they're just very scriptural, uh, very inspired by, by what's in the Bible. You know, my help comes from the Lord. Just again, it, it points back to him, hopefully in almost every line, you know, like, cause I mean, I could, we can do the mainstream pop thing or whatever we can, we can do that, but there's a reason why we're doing what we're doing. And I think, you know, when we write with, with scripture, uh, again, I think we're doing justice to this genre. What would be something that would be like on your heart to share? Like, what do you feel like? maybe God has burdened you with that you'd like to share with maybe young adults who are skeptical or struggling or doubting? Uh, how would you encourage them? And uh, how could they look to your music as a resource? Yeah, I think, I think we all go through these seasons of doubting, uh, not knowing 
you know, if we're called to do this, am I good enough? And at the end of the day, I think you have to separate your calling from the desires of your heart. And our calling is to glorify God, to enjoy Him. That is our calling. And now God has given us these desires. And I think we so often get them confused. Even though our desires give Him glory, I do not gain my identity from my desires. My identity is in my calling. And when I, when I do that, it takes the, the weight off of feeling like I have to perform or live up to these desires and become successful and you know, win awards and, and all this. Like that's, that's all great. But if I separate them, my, my mission stays the same, whether I feel good or I feel bad, whether I'm winning the day or I'm losing the day. My calling is to glorify Him, and I can do that right now. And uh, so I would say, try not to get caught up in this mental game of comparison. Try not to let your emotions lead you. You know, our heart is deceitful above all things. Like, God's there for us. He knows the desires of our hearts. And this season of doubt, the season of disbelief or whatever you're in, is the testing ground. It's, it's there for a reason, and you're walking through it, and God's letting you walk through it for a reason, because He wants to refine those desires and give you even more. Now, have you ever walked through something like that? And I mean, without maybe even getting into too much detail, are there, are there places in Scripture that you go to, you turn to, in terms of connecting with God and in different seasons of life? And so maybe somebody would say, yeah, like there's... I'm walking through doubt, and music is a place for me to connect with God. When, when I intellectually are, I'm having a difficulty understanding the complexities of the nature of God and who He is, my soul finds delight in Him through music. And, and so I guess one of my questions would be, like, where, where would be where you go to, where you turn to, to find that place? You know, I feel that when we are in these seasons of, of not knowing, we often turn inward and we try and solve that problem on our own. And a lot of where God has led me is to into service. So instead of focusing on the problem, instead of trying to figure out my direction, my purpose, my calling, all this stuff, he's like, how about you serve these people over here? You know, get your mind off yourself. So, you know, whether, you know, in Matthew, it's about, you know, serving the least of these or, you know, taking on the big, you know, the great commission kind of idea. It's like God is calling us, drawing us out of ourselves, you know, open yourself up to the people around you. And I guarantee you, if you're struggling with purpose in your life, go out and serve, go into your local church and hand out coffee, start talking to people, you know, your purpose will be defined, I believe, a lot quicker. Um, so in those seasons for me, it's about, you know, how do I serve my wife better? How do I serve my kids better? How do I be more present? Maybe I'll go shove you know, the neighbor's driveway. You know, whatever it needs to happen, but but do the tangible steps. Don't get stuck in your head or in your heart. You know, move to action a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, somebody like a Lauren Daigle who begins in the church, right? And although her music now is still uh, in consistency with, you know, a lot of biblical themes and stuff like that, begins to do more of her own thing where there's a bit of controversy 
on right. that, right? So what are your thoughts on somebody like that? You know, kind of what we were talking about, like the potential to sacrifice values and beliefs and and try to take it mainstream. And like you said, like be hip hop cool and be on the mainstream. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I think, I think we got to be more loving and understanding that while she is an entity, a big one, she is still a person and she is no different than you or me trying to figure out what tomorrow looks like. And I think you got to give her some grace and you got to cut her some slack and she's got to figure it out. But at the end of the day, we can all pray for her and we can all pray that she'll use her influence to better our world, you know, and draw people to God. But I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> I just know that, that at the end of the day, she is a person and she is a name. And we like to kind of put this label over somebody like that. And I think that's where the danger lies. Because at the end of the day, that's God's daughter too. And so how do we then talk about her as if God's listening in the other room, you know, kind of thing. Totally. totally. So that's great. Yeah. That's great. So then, you know, here, here comes another question then that would flow out of that is, you know, where's that, how do you find that balance? Um, that balance of whether when you're working or you're touring and you've got that work-life balance, right? And you want to maintain a healthy relationship with your family. Like you said, you've got a bunch of kids and, but also a healthy, vibrant relationship with God. What's that like for you? You know, I heard it said best by Bart Millard of Mercy Me, and he basically says there is no balance. You basically have to tip the scale in favor of your priorities. Like, what do you value most? So at the end of the day, if there is a, uh, an amazing gig opportunity, but my family needs me, my family wins. The way I say it to my wife is like, you are first, and God is at the center of all of this. So what, what do we need to do? You know, and she, she holds me accountable to birthdays. She holds me accountable to, you know, important dates that I need on the calendar that I need to be at home. But I think it's important that, yeah, whether you're a busy musician or a busy, you know, podcast host or, you know, whatever, the, whatever it is in your life, see, I believe we fill up all our space. All of our time is, is full, whether it's, you know, going to work, spending time with family or Netflix or church or whatever, we're going to use all the time. But we, we all have the ability to tip that scale, you know, in favor of what we value most. And so I think that's, that's what we have to start doing. Well, so with that in mind, what are some, what are some things in the future that we can expect from Jordan St. Cyr? I I think I can say this, but basically I've accepted uh, an offer from a label in Nashville uh, called Full Circle Music. And uh, it's with a good friend of mine, Seth Mosley. Uh, he was a producer on For King and Country, Skillet's last record, High Valley. Um, he's done some amazing work. So I'm so excited and thrilled to say that I'm going to be doing an album with them soon. And so we're going to be talking about what that looks like. And uh, so that's coming out. Um, we've got an offer from a, a Nashville-based booking agency uh, that we're looking at. So a lot of exciting things for 2019. And I'm just really excited to get some new music out. And uh, yeah, that's my main goal. Is there anything else that you're like, you know, this is on my heart to share. This is something I want to add. Some like something that we haven't brought up or talked about. Yeah, I would just say 
that God's faithfulness isn't contingent on our faithfulness. He is faithful to us as his kids and him as a father, uh, no matter what we do. And as we understand that, I believe that allows us to reciprocate that faithfulness, to really, to be that for our families. But ultimately, his faithfulness is 100% rock solid guarantee. He is there for us. He loves us. And no matter what we do, it's there for us. And I think if we can, you know, just know that more each day, I think we'll be, you know, just so much better off for it. Jordan, it has been great having you with us today on In Doubt. Looking forward to some more music coming from you. And thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Take care. I see a whole lot of scary going on right now. And I see so many thinking there's no way out. Sometimes I'm scared myself if I'm being honest. And I think this is what we need. I want to see signs in me. I want to see the prisoner freedom bound I'm praying that a Holy Ghost revival Floods the streets of my hometown I want to hear the world sing out your name Shouting out Jesus is alive I want to have a faith that finally moves That mountain right before my eyes In my lifetime Yeah, yeah In my lifetime Thank you for joining us on this episode of In Doubt with Jordan St. Cyr. And that was a clip from his song, In My Lifetime. You can follow Jordan on social media at Jordan St. Cyr, or you can check out his website, jordanstcyr.com, where you can find out more about his upcoming tour stops and if he's coming near you. Uh, Through listening to Jordan's story and the words he has for you, we hope that you have been encouraged from this episode and that you'll join us again next week. For the last couple of weeks, we featured a two-part conversation with Rosaria Butterfield, where we touched on the importance of finding your identity in Christ. And today with Jordan, we touched on the same thing in this conversation. And next week, we go deeper into your identity, talking with Andy Steiger about value and dignity in human life. And right now, I actually want to take a moment and read a passage from Scripture from the book of Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul gives a prayer for spiritual strength. Starting in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. In doubt exists to bring the good news of Jesus into everyday issues of life, faith, and culture. We seek to encourage you and equip you to engage with the tough questions of our time in a way that honors God. If In Doubt has encouraged you today and you're passionate in helping others grow in the truth, we want to welcome you to partner with us financially. As we continue to provide resources, we depend on the generosity and partnership of people like you to help communicate the good news of Jesus to a world that needs him. 
and stay connected with us for next week's episode as we talk with founder and director of Apologetics Canada, Andy Steiger. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.